Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today in Health IT, we're going to do a Fresh Eyes project on Epic UGM. I'm going to explain what that is in just a minute. But before that, my name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of podcast channels and events dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on studio sound to this recording to take out some of the background noise. So even though it was recorded in the car, it's going to sound like it was recorded in the studio. This is the magic of AI. Back to the show. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are SureTest, Artisite, Parlance, and ServiceNow. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. As you guys know, we have partnered with Alex's Lemonade Stand all year long to celebrate our five years of doing this work in the industry. Alex's Lemonade Stand is committed to raising money for cures for childhood cancer and supporting families during this most difficult time. The team set a goal to raise $50,000 this year. And as you guys know, we have exceeded that goal already. We want to plow through that number and we would love to have you be a part of it. Go ahead and hit our website, top right-hand column. You're going to see a logo for the lemonade stand there. Go ahead and click on that to give today. We believe in the generosity of our community and we thank you in advance. As you could probably tell, I am in a car. I'm driving. I have my headset on and I'm going to record a today's show because I have a long drive from Madison down to Chicago Midway Airport because I got a last minute invite to UGM, which I am incredibly thankful for. It was great to see everybody and to experience it for the first time. But because of that, I stayed really, really far away from the event and had to get uh, last minute flight arrangements back and forth from Chicago. And so I have a roughly three, two and a half hour drive to Chicago this morning. So I thought I would spend it with you. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a Fresh Eyes project for Epic UGM. And there is a resource that is diminishing. Every day, a staff member is with your organization and it is an outsider's perspective. From the first day, you start orientation, you start bringing them up to speed. The lens with which they look at your company becomes more and more tainted by an insider's view. It starts to go from an outsider's view to an insider's view. And there is value in an outsider's view. We at This Week Health take advantage of that outsider's perspective with a project we call the Fresh Eyes Project. We do a two-week orientation into our organization. And yes, it is that important. You have to set aside that time. And during that time, we do not assign people work outside of the orientation work that they are doing. And we do that for a reason. We want to make sure that they have an opportunity to really get acclimated into our, our culture and our organization and our industry and some of the things we do. And we have them listen to some of our shows and we have them review the website and we give them a bunch of stuff uh, that they do. One of the things we do is Fresh Eyes Project and it's an invaluable project for us. And so what we do is we give them an assignment and the assignment is to look at our stuff, look at our website, look at our podcasts, look at our videos with an outsider's eye, with an outsider's perspective, 
they will give us feedback on what they're seeing. And it could be anything. It could be in their area of expertise. It can be stuff that's not necessarily their area of expertise. They might see a spelling error on our website. And it's really exceptional. And one of the things I realized as I was going to the various events over the last couple of days is I would tell people, this is my first UGM. And invariably, the question they would ask me is, oh, what's your impression? What do you think? What do you think of the campus? What do you think of the event? And that kind of stuff. And that's what this is. This is a fresh eyes project. It's not meant to be definitive. I might get some things wrong because again, it's fresh eyes. It's my first UGM. This is my perspective from the outside. And that's what you're getting. I'm going to start before UGM to give you some, some background of my perspective, because I don't have a completely outsider's view. I've been in this industry for a while now. I've covered things. I've sat down and had uh, lunches and breakfasts with Judy, I, uh, Epic staff members. I've interviewed Seth Hain a couple of times. I'm not a complete newbie to the world, but to the extent that I can, I'm going to give you outsider's perspective. What Epic has been able to do in this industry is pretty amazing. I think it starts with meaningful use, really accelerated their growth. They were a plucky startup, let's call it back then, with a couple buildings on that campus, which is now pretty significant, pretty massive. But then back early on in the meaningful use days, what they had was a competitive advantage. And that competitive advantage was that they had an integrated ambulatory and acute EHR. And I believe culture is the reason they had that. And I'm going to keep coming back to culture because that was my main takeaway from this. Let me give you a little background on what I was able to do. One is I was able to get a tour of the campus from somebody who's a project manager and a BFF. And we'll cover what a BFF is in a minute because I think Epic has their own language. And I think that's part of the culture. And it's, it's pretty interesting. I got to spend some time with HR. And that was uh, also very interesting. And I had the opportunity to find out what kind of people are successful at Epic and what makes them successful. And I spent some time with marketing and some of the other people at Epic during my time, I was able to have conversations with them while I was there. And plus I was able to talk to some of the CIOs as well. So that was my UGM. Let me go back to why I think they were successful. Because if you go back to that early times and meaningful use, it's not like there are companies that didn't have good software and good leadership teams and those kind of things. But I think the culture that's been created at Epic is really distinct and really powerful. And let me start with one of the stories that I think indicates a, a, an ethos that allows Epic to thrive. And that is, you go back about 16 years, it was not uncommon to see headlines in the newspaper about failed EHR implementations and leadership teams being escorted to the door. You wouldn't be able to generate bills. You wouldn't be able to see patients. You'd have to close your doors. They were bad stories of implementations. And in comes Epic. And Epic's approach is very prescriptive. And their prescriptive approach is, hey, if you're going to buy our software, this is what it takes to be successful. And they will spell it out. Not only be successful at implementation, but be successful long-term. And you will agree to these things. Keep in mind, they were a startup at one point. And they would sit across from these billion-dollar organizations and they would say, if you want our software, you have to agree to these things. And if you don't agree to these things, we're going to walk. 
Think about that. Think about what it takes. That's an ethos. That's a culture that says, look, we want you to be successful. We want the people associated with us to be successful. We want to put our staff in the best position to be successful. We don't want to, we don't want to burden our staff with projects that don't have a high probability of success. So they came in at that time and that was a very bold and courageous thing to do back then. That's part of their ethos. The other thing is you will find people with, with stories, epic stories all over the place. They could be Judy stories. They could be Carl stories. They could be Smith stories, quite frankly, and they could be BFF stories. People will tell you stories all, all over the place about epic. And so you have this lore that's been created and that's a great culture has a lore. A great culture has a language associated with it and a great culture celebrates. So I'm going to go through a little bit of my path that I took and I'll come back to some of that stuff. So the first thing you notice coming on campus is, and somebody said this to me, it's as if corporate America and Disney had a baby and it is the Epic campus. It's the Epic intergalactic headquarters. And that's again, part of the, it's a playful spirit, but it's also a, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I would love to sit down with Judy and just talk culture for an hour or so. I think it would be fascinating. And the next opportunity I have to be in the room with her, I probably will do that. As you're driving around campus, it's the Epic Intergalactic Headquarters and everything's really playful and fun. And I think it creates that environment. I think it helps in recruiting. I think that's one of the reasons you do it. I think it's a place where people want to come to work. You have people who visit Disney World and they go, oh my gosh, it would be great to work here. And then you talk to people who work at Disney and they're like, eh, it's not as great as you think to work here. I don't get that sense from the Epic staff. I'm sure I can find some people that are disgruntled and have left the organization. That's true of every organization. But everyone I interacted with smiles, happy, outgoing, friendly. I think part of that is the Midwest. You, they recruit heavily from the Midwest and the Big Ten schools. I think that's somewhat, again, to ensure success. I'm sure there's some people who have moved from New York City and L.A. to come to Madison and live here. It is beautiful. It's amazing. But at the end of the day, if you recruit from Nebraska, Michigan, Penn State, and the Big Ten schools, they're going to have a higher degree of success. That's one of the conversations I had with HR and, and trying to figure out what it takes, how, how they evaluate people, what does their interview process look like, what does their orientation process look like. And that was really fascinating. But let me boil this down because I could ramble on here for a while. The campus is special. They have a carousel. They have all these things. It's a playful, fun environment. And I think that creates an environment people like to be in and uh, communicate something. I think the other thing you'll notice is there's no above ground parking. It's beautiful. The campus is beautiful. The greenery, the amount of money they invested in the greenery alone. I'm not sure the staff recognizes it, but somebody does. Somebody made a decision. You know what? This is going to cost us money to have these kinds of flowers and these kinds of areas and this kind of stuff, but it's worth it. Uh, it communicates, hey, we care about you. We know it's cold in, um, in Madison, Wisconsin. We're going to give you a spot to park underground. So everybody essentially has covered parking. You're immediately in a covered area and you can get from one end of the campus to the other. I think they built a new building, I'm, uh, but I, I think you can get from one end to the other underground. At least we did. We, we stayed inside most of the, the tour that I was given. The, the other thing is you'll notice that everybody has an office. It's either a double or a single. I think those are the only two types. Again. You're getting a fresh eyes project. Some of the things I say could be wrong. This is my perspective being on campus, getting this tour. My first UGM, as it was portrayed to me, they did the research. 
and people are more productive in offices. And it would be interesting. I'd love to see that research and compare it to the research that was done in Silicon Valley that said, hey, we're going to create these bullpens with picnic tables. And uh, even the CEO sits out amongst the, the people and it's more of a, a level playing field and that kind of stuff. I'd love to see the comparison. I'd like to see somebody honestly look at the productivity. And, and now we have a new environment. We have this remote environment to compare it to. I think it's worth an analysis. Regardless, I'm, I, I sidetracked. But and it almost felt like dorm rooms. I walked into one of them and two people working and they had their, each had their desk and they had their posters on the wall and the, the things that sort of reminded them of, of home and, and their family and the, the things they love and that kind of stuff. Regardless, I'm going to go on from the campus because you could talk about the campus for a long time. I'm going to go to culture and some of the marks of culture. One is the person who gave me the tour again, was a BFF and a project manager. And he was relating the story of the fact that when people come to visit him over Christmas, he gives people tours of the campus. Think about that. How many of you have said, oh, you know what? You have to come by my office. I'd like to give you a tour of the office over Christmas. There's, there's a certain amount of pride that goes along with that. And by the way, he gave the tour, like he was a, a tour guide at Disney World. He knew like all these anecdotes and stories. I don't know if it's part of the onboard. I doubt it's part of the onboarding. Maybe it is part of the onboarding, but it was a professional level tour that I was given of the campus. It was, it was really impressive. Anyway, so I, by the way, I want to thank every, I want to thank everybody for the invite and I want to thank everybody who gave me time and walked me around. Let me talk about culture and really hone in on this. You'll see marks of the culture, the conference center, which is called Deep Space. When you are with Epic for 10 years, you will put your hands in plaster. Something like what your kid did when they were in kindergarten or first grade and they do that little plaster thing. And I think we still have our things from that. And that's a point, right? It's a marker. So it's a 10-year marker and it's special. It creates meaning. And it almost signifies that they've been a part of building the organization. And so there's... Uh, there's markers in the culture. There's, there's a language. We talked about that. There's the, there's the listening to the clients, the BFF concept of assigning an individual to every client should be replicated by any organization that can possibly do it, that has the resources to do it. And even if you don't have the resources to do it, you sh every client should have an individual that's identified as their advocate, as their person that you go to, that you hear from, that is invested in your success. It is an interesting model. And I think the power of that is that Epic listens to every client. Most organizations, when they're going to listen to their clients, they create a client advisory board. And the client advisory board is representative of all their clients, right? And it's one of my pet peeves that we treat healthcare like it's homogenous, and it's not. Rural healthcare federally qualified health clinics, IDNs, large IDNs, individual hospitals, academic medical centers. These are organizations that have very distinct business models, very distinct uh, patients, very distinct uh, staff and staffing requirements and, and needs. And the ability to have a person assigned to every organization and getting feedback from that organization and providing a conduit for getting the most important things out to those clients 
is really distinct. I think Harvard Business Review, I think uh, anyone who's, who could write a book about this should write a book about it. But I don't think that's the most powerful thing about Epic. Clearly, culture, I think, is one of the most powerful things. But I don't think it's the culture they've created internally. I think it's that they have figured out a way to make their clients a part of their culture and a part of their ethos. I know of no other organization where the clients identified so much with a partner. It really is amazing. It really is fascinating. Again, this is a fresh eyes project. So some of what I might say might be wrong, but I, here's the things I observed. One, they have stars on the ground in the in deep space in the conference center for each one of the clients. And I think the dates on there were their go lives. And so it's like that brick thing that you have when you gave money to a an institution and they were building a new building and there's a brick and you go to that institution and you, you want to take your family and your kids and show them as, hey, look, here's our brick kind of thing. Every institution has that star on the ground that you can see. I think another one is the banners. They celebrate their clients' successes. And there were banners, not the kind of banners that you go to Speedy Sinorama and just have something cheaply printed up. These are banners like you would hoist in the rafters at a college or university for a national championship. And they're really professional looking and great banners. And they celebrate things like a Hymns Davies Award or a, a Stage 7 or uh, STARS. Um, Epic has a STARS program. And they celebrate those kinds of things. And so you have that kind of stuff. In the keynote, there was a fair amount of time dedicated to celebrating the successes of the partners of the, of the clients. And I know of nobody else, no other organization that has been able to extend their culture to their clients in the way that Epic has done. And I, I, again, I'll give you a couple of little examples. One is there are nuanced points where I might disagree with something Judy has said in the press. I will get emails almost immediately. Oh, you don't understand. And they will come to defense and aid. I could do that for every other company in the industry and no one will give me a phone call. Like no one will send me an email and say, hey, you, you don't understand their perspective or where they're coming from. I will say just when you think, can anyone else go to Epic? I talked to Wellspan and it, they're moving to Epic. I talked to UPMC and they're moving to Epic and Northwell's moving to Epic. These are not small clients. Here are still significant clients moving to Epic. And I think a lot of that has to do with their culture of listening and their culture of hiring smart people and hiring well with people who understand an ethos of uh, being connected with the client and being invested in the client's success. That's part of my Fresh Eyes project. If you gave me another half hour, I could probably talk about a couple more things. Uh, I think it's really interesting. I think Harvard Business Review should be over there writing articles. It would be very hard for someone to take a bunch of this stuff and implement it and succeed. I think it does take a long-term play. I think Judy is a special person. Somebody asked me, what, what do you think makes Judy successful? And I'll close with this. I think the thing that makes Judy successful is, first of all, she is a carry for a motivator. And that's not terminology you hear that often, but I think at the core of everybody, there is there's certain drivers. And this is not original with me. It's with somebody who wrote a book, Vision for Your Life, and there's four motivators, and he had eight more motivators. 
and caring was one of them. And the minute I read it, I said, that's Judy Faulkner. Judy Faulkner at her core cares. She cares about her clients to the point of every one of them knows if they send her an email, she will respond to that email. They know she cares. She's invested with them. She will be on phone calls. I talked to one CIO who did an implementation and he said, Judy was on a bunch of our phone calls. I doubt Larry Ellison's going to be on any implementation phone calls. Now, granted, he's not over healthcare specifically for Oracle, but it's, it's just a different ethos. They know she cares. She cares about them. She cares about their health system. She cares about healthcare. We may not agree. We have nuanced disagreements, but I would never doubt her, her motivation. It is from a point of caring. So that's one of the things I think that differentiates Judy. And I think the other thing is playing the long game. There's no chasing of money. I doubt that Judy has a corporate jet. Now, if she does, I don't think it changes this comment at all. I don't see her chasing money. It's not a public company. She's not chasing the results, but she really does care about the culture. She cares about the next hundred years at Epic and what that's going to be and how it's going to be able to serve the community. And there's not a race for, for profit. There's not a, pre, a race for the next shiny toy or anything like that. I, I sense no ego that you would get from a lot of uh, organizations and companies. I'm not sure how you teach that. It would be refreshing if more and more companies had this kind of ethos. I think even the companies that sort of portray this, hey, we're a we're giving back. We care about our employees. In some sense, I, and maybe I'm too cynical here, but the leader read a couple of, uh, you know, articles and they attended a class, heard a lecture and they're like, I guess you have to do this. I don't think that's epic and I don't think that's Judy at all. I think uh, at their core, it's genuine. And I think people sense that genuine nature. It's different. And I think part of it is what I talked about this morning. There's a sense in which they know that Judy cares about them. And they know the ethos of Epic is about giving back to the community and their clients and uh, serving them well. There you go. That's my Fresh Eyes project. If you have comments about it, shoot me a note, bill at thisweekhealth.com. And that's all for today. Wow. I still have another hour and 57 minute drive. Wish you could be with me the rest of the way, but that's all I have for this morning. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that, tell a friend you're listening to it have them listen to it with you and have conversations about it. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. But as Sushi has told me, I have a lot of opinions. I guess that's why I could do a half hour show on my first impressions. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I want to thank our partners and our sponsors who have committed to our mission of developing the next generation of health leaders. They are short test artisite, Parlance and ServiceNow, all from memory. See, I've done this so many times. Uh, these are great companies. I love working with them. If you get a chance, check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.